Who's ready for season two? because there was just so much shit that happened and I feel like I hit a breaking point. Where do I even begin? First of all, Happy New Year, even though by the time this is coming out, this is going to be so far past January 1st and January already feels like there are 75 days throughout the month. So this is going to seem... Happy New Year is going to seem like the most irrelevant thing to start this with, but I have to start there because last year I started the year by assigning out a word for the first maybe four or five months of the year. This year I've decided to do something a little different and I wanted to focus on a word that would propel me through the entire calendar year, something that I could continuously come back to that would give me power, that would give me a sense of grounding, and that would allow me to feel like I'm not getting off course as easily as I did when I felt like I was trying to assign a word to every single month. Because what's crazy is that when you actually do that, it's like when you're pregnant and you're tracking week by week or month by month, they end up going by so fast or so slow. And sometimes it can be hard to fulfill whatever your goal was for that month within that time frame. So I didn't want to do that to myself. And instead, I wanted to focus on something that could be really instrumental for me throughout the entire year. Something, again, that I can come back to, that I can say, did I accomplish this? And the word that I am choosing is progress. There are a lot of reasons why I wanted to focus on that word. And I'll talk through some of them, but I first have to talk about how we got here. What happened over the last few weeks? Why have I not been recording? Thank you to those of you who were hungry for another episode and who were looking for an update from me. And you're going to get it in this episode. First of all, I'll start by saying that we had a loss in our family, an unexpected loss shortly before Christmas that completely flipped our world upside down and has continued to be almost, we're still pretty much in shock from this. And that's as much as I want to say about that because I don't feel like it's my story to tell, but I will say that I have felt like my time and energy needed to be dedicated to my family and my extended family and making sure that everyone, including myself and my husband, was taken care of. And this had to fall by the wayside because I didn't feel like I had the energy. I didn't feel like I had the time and I didn't feel like I had the inspiration to actually be able to get in studio and get on the mic and talk about what's been going on in my life. I also feel like during the holidays, it's kind of that period in time where it's amazing when you finally get the break 
from work and the break from being tied to your computer 24 seven, checking emails, hopping on a hundred million calls a day or a week. But it also towards the end can feel so monotonous. And I know that for myself, I get out of some of my routines during that period, during that window from Christmas to New Year's. By the end of that period, I desperately feel like I need something to get me back on track. I need some sort of a schedule throughout my day to make me feel like I've accomplished something. I need something to do or some sort of a structure that makes me feel like I'm actually being able to reach my goals or that I have just some sort of a structure throughout my day. Well, I like to think that I don't necessarily need everything to be structured and calendared out. I do. I like my day to be structured. At this time, I will be doing this and I'll accomplish X. At this time, I'll be doing this and I'll accomplish X. Or at least I know that I'll be getting something done because I'll have it calendared into my diary. So that was very hard for me coming towards the end of this break because I did not know what day it was. I didn't know up from down. I completely felt like I was in a fog. I was in full survival mode, trying to make sure that my family was taken care of, that I was still being able to show up for my kids on Christmas, that I was being a loving and supportive wife to my husband when he completely needed me most, and that I was, of course, finding time to focus on myself, but within the parameters of the other things that I've just mentioned in terms of why I needed to also be there for my family. So that's why I've disappeared for the past few weeks because I frankly needed some time to myself to just reflect and to think about what I actually even wanted to say because I wasn't totally sure how to address what had happened because it was so jarring for us and because it was so unplanned, because it was a shock. We are still in a state of shock And we are still processing the grief and dealing with the grief and figuring out how we feel and what we want to do to move forward. Towards the end of the year, I also, so shifting gears. Towards the end of the year, I was still maintaining my um, weight training schedule. And I also had been starting to look into more of the Pilates reformer classes because I love them so much, but they offer them as an, a hundred, as a $150 add on to my gym membership. That's already over $120, which I wasn't sure. Do I want to be putting that much money to something? But I did a demo class, decided, yes, I love it. Focusing on my health and my well being towards the end of the year, specifically after this trauma event was something that I knew I needed to actually do and find some answers for. So after speaking to my primary care physician, he got me in touch with a weight management doctor. And when I tell you that this was the first time that I felt like a doctor was not actually trying to fat shame me when I was indicating that I'd been gaining weight significantly since my second child, well, really since my first child was born and since my second child was delivered without the ability to lose a pound, I had gone on all of the fat diets. I had gone on I had eliminated everything. So the elimination diet where you get rid of coffee, you get rid of sugar, you get rid of alcohol, like caffeine, dairy, everything. Within four weeks, I lost like three pounds, which is insanity because I can lose that by drinking a full water bottle. 
throughout one day. So that was incredibly discouraging to feel like, what in the hell? I have gotten rid of half of the things in my diet so that I'm making smarter choices. I'm eating primarily greens and protein, yet I'm seeing nothing happen. So that, I had talked to my doctor, this new weight management doctor, about all of the things that I've experienced, all of the different diets I've tried. And he actually was going through some of my old data, some of the blood tests that I'd done throughout my pregnancies. And it turns out that I was never actually told during my pregnancy that I had been confirmed. I had tested positively for gestational diabetes. I had been told that I was getting close to the level of gestational diabetes and that I needed to do another um, glucose test to be sure. And that one came back supposedly, oh, everything looks pretty good, it's fine. He showed me the confirmed test that indicated that I did have gestational diabetes. Once I got that heads up prior to delivery, I was incredibly mindful about what I was eating. My daughter had not yet been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, so I was incredibly mindful about how I was nourishing and feeding my body. That was a surprise to me to learn that this whole time I had never known that that had actually been a positive confirmation for me. But the good news is, is that I do not have type 2 diabetes. The bad news is, but it's also such a breath of fresh air, that I actually was diagnosed with insulin resistance. Holy fucking hell. An answer, an answer. I had been waiting and knowing that something was going on with my body for years, and I have never been told that I have insulin resistance. And I have asked about it in the past. I've asked providers about this. And everything has always come back, oh, everything looks within within its normal frame. There's nothing out of the ordinary. That had not made any sense to me because I always am waking up tired. I always am fatigued, which obviously I'm waking up tired and fatigued. I always feel like something is out of sorts or something is not necessarily working. And then I've been gaining a ton of weight around my midsection and I've been unable to lose weight, literally unable to lose weight. So I had Emily Cornelius on here um, last year, which was an absolutely amazing conversation where she gave us a ton of insight into what insulin resistance actually is. I'll link in the show notes to that episode because if you have not yet listened to it, you need to because it's going to give you such a better understanding of what insulin resistance actually means. Because insulin resistance is not diabetes, but it can potentially lead to type 2 diabetes. So insulin resistance is when the cells in your muscles, fat, and liver don't respond well to insulin and cannot easily take up the glucose from your blood. And as a result, your pancreas is making more insulin to help glucose enter your cells. So ultimately, you can think of insulin as the key that opens the door to your cells to allow glucose to enter your bloodstream and convert into energy. So it's when that's what helps you to feel more energy after you eat a nutritious meal. Okay, I just ate, I have fueled my body. It is literally fuel. Insulin is a hormone um, that is managed by your pancreas. And if it is not working properly, then it can affect the amount of blood sugar or glucose that is actually in your blood. So given that my body cells are not responding normally to insulin, it basically means that my blood has more sugar in it than it needs to, and my body is not actually being able to react to the insulin, meaning that 
I am now experiencing most of these issues that I had not ever had insight into before were potentially causing my resistance to losing weight, my fatigue, and all of these things. So what I'm doing now is my doctor has recommended that I go and see a sleep doctor through some to do basically to conduct a sleep study because they want to make sure that I don't also have sleep apnea, which can happen from obviously gaining weight. The more weight that you gain, the more likely you are to have additional issues arise. And apparently this one did not sit well with me. I have class two obesity and I asked for confirmation of, well, not confirmation, but I asked for an overview. What is class two obesity even mean? And for someone who consistently measured themselves, used a tape measurer to measure my arms, my thighs, my legs, my hips, my waist, my bust throughout my eating disorder. And then afterwards when I was trying to healthily lose weight, hearing the term obese and knowing that my BMI is like off the charts, it almost like numbs me now, but it still makes me very sad because I do work out, frankly, more than any of my friends. I work out a lot. I am consistently trying to take care of my body. So while I'm disappointed that I technically have class two obesity, I did ask like, what does class one, two, or three mean? And he basically just said that when you're working with an insurance company and you're trying to, let's say, get on some sort of a medication, you need to actually provide the class in which the the client falls in terms of the obesity range because there are recommendations and FDA approvals for certain medications, et cetera, that are only approved for certain obesity classes. So while he doesn't agree with the term, like class one, class two, class three, it's technically the easiest way for them to quickly associate your diagnosis against a recommended approach for healing or for any sort of um, prescriptions that you might need. So that has all happened over the past few weeks. In addition, I was connected to a virtual biohacking company by commenting on one of their Instagram posts when I saw an influencer that I follow who happens to have the same name as me featured on their page as someone who had helped get her hormone levels, her energy levels, and her weight in check by utilizing certain um, combinations of peptides through injection form from this company. So I reached out and I began talking with the founder. We had a number of conversations back and forth. I was prescribed semaglutide, which is one of the key ingredients in Ozempic and Wegovy that is taking over the world, those are primarily diagnosed for type 2 diabetes. I do not have type 2 diabetes, so the efficacy of this we will see. After two weeks of using it, though, I will say that when I was with my husband's side of the family, they said to me, oh, you look like you've lost like 7 to 10 pounds, which made me thrilled because I have not been able to lose weight in so freaking long. And my doctor appointment with my weight management doctor was literally the next morning. So I was so excited to see what the scale said because I do not weigh myself literally ever. And I had lost zero pounds. I was baffled. How is it possible 
that I could look like I've lost seven to 10 pounds, but in reality, I have lost zero pounds while on semaglutide, which is, as people know, if you're listening to this and you follow the health and wellness industry, Ozempic is literally taking over the world because of its efficacy rates. So I also understand that it's only been about two weeks since I started this injection program. I'm now going on week three. We started my dosage at the recommended dose, which was 2.5 milligrams. We increased it by less than double. And that's where I've stayed. So about a dose and a half from there. Um, the first week I felt nothing, which is why we ended up increasing my dose. So I had been messaging her back and forth saying, I have not noticed any difference. I understand I'm supposed to have appetite suppression, but I have not noticed a dang thing here. So is that normal? She ended up giving me two adjustments. The first, I again felt nothing. The second adjustment, the following week, I felt um, a little bit different. So now I'm going on my third week and I have, or maybe this is my fourth week. I'll have to keep track because I kind of forget. But ultimately, I feel like my appetite has absolutely become more suppressed. But I also, over the course of this last few weeks, hired a macro coach to provide me with a six-week macro plan to help me lose fat, build muscle, and lean up. My weight management doctor had told me that he wants me to stay within that calorie deficit range. So right now I'm working towards a 1600 calorie range for the time being. Although I am supposed to be increasing my caloric intake, especially my proteins for my macro count each week as I build muscle, ideally. Given that I'm also taking semaglutide though, I have noticed that my appetite has 100% decreased and I get full a lot faster than I used to. I am also trying to drink over a gallon of water a day, which is about 108 ounces of water a day. So I have my 32 ounce water bottle with me at all times. In order for me to hit that guideline, I ultimately need to have at least three full, I guess, water bottles full and four full water bottles full in a day takes me to 128 ounces. I have been struggling to meet that, but one thing that's been fantastic since I started this macro plan, and it's been two weeks now, is that I have noticed that a lot of my bloating has disappeared that I was getting from more of the traditional foods I was eating when I was having here and there more sweets, which I really have not been having at all. Um, more alcohol was definitely making me feel bloated. I've had a little bit of alcohol only with my parents when we've had a glass or two of wine when I've been with them and my kids. I have not been drinking at night. I have not been drinking at all in my house. I have bottles and bottles of wine from my wine club membership shipments mm -hmm. that have gone undrunk so far in our wine fridge. And I'm going to keep it that way because I don't really want to be partaking in alcohol right now. I am so laser focused on actually reaching my goals this year and not feeling like how I have felt in previous years where I have just felt so overwhelmed with honestly just sadness. Like looking at myself in the mirror, seeing myself in photos, I almost got to the point where I just became numb to even seeing what I looked like because it, I was just so disappointed in what I was seeing back at me that it became a numbing mechanism that I would see a photo and my heart would sink and I would just say, oh my God, 
I'm not even going to look at that. And instead of actually continuing to address the issues and make some real lifestyle changes, I would just try to black it out and I would try to disassociate with whatever those feelings were because they were too harmful for me to actually face. And now we're getting to the point in our life where I'm realizing that the one thing I cannot buy for myself is my health. Yes, I can buy a macro plan. Yes, I can buy a peptide that will supposedly help me with my appetite suppression. Yes, I can work on identifying ways for me to reverse my insulin resistance. But at the end of the day, I have to actually be willing to make some lifestyle changes, which I have been, but I have not to the degree that I am so far. I realize it's the beginning of the year and this is where people feel really gung-ho and they wanna make all of these changes. I am working towards programming my lifestyle to enable me to have this be something that I can accomplish ongoing and not something that's going to be just another fad for me. I'm at the point where I realize that I have to lose weight to get my BMI down, but I also have a slight disclaimer about BMI. BMI does not necessarily, actually, it does not at all take into account any of your muscle mass. So if I have more muscle than I do fat in my body, and let's say I have been building, because I've been doing weight training for 17, almost like 24 weeks plus at this point. So considering that I am lifting a lot of heavy weights, my body has also likely built up a lot of muscle, but muscle weighs more than fat. And so therefore my weight should likely increase before my fat decreases because I'll be building muscle and then I'll be burning more calories that will then be burning more fat. So not taking any of that into account, your body mass index only gives you a number that will show you what your percentage is against your height and your current weight, not taking into account anything else that may be going on in your body, your visceral fat, etc. So I actually have a scale that can help me identify what some of those numbers are based on scanning my footprint. I need to put new... Um, batteries in mind because it's out of battery and so it's no longer working. But that was one way that I could kind of measure for myself, okay, I have a healthy fat range or okay, I've been increasing my muscle mass since the last time that I weighed myself. That's great. So that I have insight and actual data and facts to point to about certain things that traditionally had triggered me because seeing the weight increase, I automatically associate with failure. I automatically associate it with, oh my God, I'm getting fat. Oh my God, I'm losing myself, etc. That is why I have taken the approach that I'm currently taking in regards to working with a weight management coach, working with a macro coach, and working with this company that specializes in biohacking to get my body back on track, suppress my appetite, and allow me to actually see some of that weight come off while maintaining my healthy diet and my healthy lifestyle, incorporating Pilates, five to six times a week in addition to weight training. So my doctor had told me maintain 200 to 300 minutes of exercise per week, stick to that 1600 caloric meal plan right now so that you are experiencing a deficit given that I was at around 1800 calories. And so now we're sticking here, eliminate some of the unhealthy calories that you can get from liquids like alcohol, etc. I still am having my coffee and my lattes in the morning because that's something that means so much to me. I love actually going through the process and having the ritual of making my morning coffee, but I am looking into finding new ways to focus on my health and my well-being. And the semaglutide is a part of that. I wasn't sure if I wanted to say anything about that because 
or what I wanted to do in terms of like, do I want to do before and after photos? Do I want to take photos of myself every week and then look at my progress? I decided I don't want to take before and after photos because I have so many photos that could count as my quote unquote before photo, some of which from my latest trip to Hawaii, which happened in May, that well, actually, there is a photo that from my Hawaii trip last May that my mom took of me when we were in the middle of the ocean. It was, um, there was a beautiful mountain range behind us. The sky was a little cloudy. It was just gorgeous. And I posed for the photo. And when I looked at the photo, I literally felt like I just looked like an Oompa Loompa blueberry from Willy Wonka. I looked huge and round and fat. I did not look healthy. I looked so inflamed. And since I've been starting this process over the last three weeks, I feel like my face has slimmed down. My inflammation feels like it has been disappearing. I feel like I am actually physically feeling some of the symptoms of increasing my protein. So to also give all of you insight into actually what I'm doing in terms of my protein, my carbohydrates, and my fat. So right now, I'm just gonna open my app so that I can actually see what I'm working against. So this, I'm supposed to be adjusting this basically by week. I have stuck to the initial for now, given that my appetite's been suppressed. I also was sick for like a week and a half. So I had no, I mean, I had no energy. Could barely do anything, let alone wake up in the morning. So I have not been weightlifting for the past like two and a half weeks because I've been super sick, could not stop sneezing, could not stop blowing my nose. But I have been working against my macro meal plan since then and continuing with my semaglutide and working towards that 1600 caloric deficit range. So total, my net carbs are 146 grams, my fat is 55 grams, and my protein is 136 grams. So for instance, right now, I only have nine grams of fat left for the remainder of my day. So most of what I have had today apparently has fallen into the fat range. Um, I have I have about half of my protein left and about three-fourths of my carbohydrates left. So I'm about I'm at 74 grams out of 136 of protein. So I have 62 grams left. I'm at 88 out of 146 net carbs, so I have 58 carbs left. So this evening, I will need to be working on ensuring that I am filling my plate with protein and carbohydrates. So I will probably go over my fat for the day. And for anyone that's listening to this that has an eating disorder or has had an eating disorder, I want you to listen to this information incredibly discerningly because I have gotten to the point in my recovery where I can track my carbs, fat, and protein without it damaging my psyche and without it being something that becomes overwhelming and harmful for me. I know well enough now that taking any sort of images of myself will potentially throw me into a tailspin. So I am choosing to not do that and instead utilize success metrics each week based on how my clothes are feeling on me, how my jeans are fitting based on the size of the clothes that I'm having to purchase if I am buying anything that's new. So that's something that I want you to keep in mind. Also, any of the things that I'm saying right now are based on my experience with my doctors and my healthcare providers and my body. 
and my results, I guess, uh, results isn't the right word, but what I'm trying to say is I am not a doctor. So please do not take anything that I'm saying as though this is coming from a medical doctor's mouth or that this is medical advice. Some of this, of course, is coming from my doctor and my care team, but each and every single one of you should have your own care teams that are helping you discern and decide what is best for your route of healing. And right now, for me, utilizing semaglutide is top of mind for me. There is also another um, prescription that my doctor has been trying to get for me, um, and it's called Zetbound. And Zetbound is terzepatide, and it's also an injection. It's incredibly costly for the most part. So it's also an injectable prescription. It's specifically for adults with obesity who have this weight-related medical issue. There's a savings card that can decrease the cost a bit, but it's also just super pricey otherwise. So that is something that right now my insurance does not cover. It's the only FDA approved um, treatment for weight loss. Well, Ozempic and again, Wegovy are recommended for individuals that have type 2 diabetes. So Zepbound, again, terzepatide, it's the only FDA-improved injection injection treatment for weight management. Thus far, I have not been approved from it through my healthcare provider, and I'm really hoping that that would change because within a two-cycle period, it's over $1,200. And that's insanity. Um So that's definitely not something that I feel comfortable paying out of pocket for, although its efficacy is supposed to be enhanced. So Zepbound that my doctor is looking into me for is terzepatide. What I'm currently taking is a compounded form of semaglutide, which is one of the main ingredients in Ozempic and Wegovy. I apologize if that seems a little bit confusing, but I'm just trying to make sure that you have some insight into the differences and why I... I'm looking into them both. With my insulin resistance, another thing that my weight management doctor has asked me to do is do a steroid test. So what I need to do is make an appointment with the lab to get my blood drawn at 8 a.m. the morning after I take my steroid pill. So he's looking. I've been prescribed a steroid pill that I'll take in the evening. And again, my blood will be drawn the following morning at around 8 a.m. The goal of this is to determine how high my steroid levels in my blood are because if they are heavily increased, that could potentially be working against me and inhibit my ability to lose weight. So I don't exactly know what our plan or what our plan would be if we found that my steroid levels were quite high, but I know that in the past my cortisol levels actually were quite good from my blood test. But the reason why I think that that could potentially be coming out as so as such is because I've been on antidepressants for a few years and that significantly can help decrease your cortisol levels just over time. So I don't know if I'll actually be getting a strong baseline on what my cortisol levels even are due to the fact that I've been taking medication for a few years that has eased my ability to manage my stress. So while I do feel like I am quite good under stress in general, That is a metric that I'm feeling a little bit iffy on being able to get a solid answer from, simply given the fact that I would have to have stopped my medication for quite a while for my 
cortisol levels to show anything other than what they're going to show. So I need to do a few of those things before I can actually determine what comes next. I am in the process of waiting for some information from Emily, um, the insulin resistance pro that I interviewed on this podcast, who has a new program that I had actually talked about on my last interview with her. So she's launched her new program where she'll be working with individuals where she'll be assigning you a CGM, which is a constant glucose monitor. That's something that my daughter has to wear at all times to help us manage her blood sugar. And it will give me, if I am prescribed one, it will give me insight and access into information about my blood sugar throughout the entire day. I'm actually going to email my doctor to see if I can get a prescription for constant glucose monitor so that I'll be able to do that on my own throughout the day as I'm going through my meal plan and my meal prep and seeing what is actually causing me these spikes and how long am I staying within those spikes. So one thing that's also supposed to be incredibly helpful for blood sugar management is exercise, particularly weight training. So now that I'm feeling that I'm on the tail end of this cold, I'm going to be increasing my weight training throughout the week again, probably one to three times a week, and also focusing on Pilates three to five times a week so that I am maintaining the my ability to increase my flexibility through Pilates, but also since I've started weight training, some of the things that we do in Pilates, I don't think I would have frankly been able to do otherwise if I had not been focusing on planks and weight training, etc. So I'm hoping that within the next few months, I will have an update for all of you and for myself about what has actually been going on in my freaking healthcare journey. How is my healing going? I've done so much mental healing and now it is 100% time for me to do my physical healing. It's been a slow, slow burn, but I feel like I am getting so close and I cannot wait to continue and remain consistent and see the progress. So this is where that word comes back. I am not aiming for perfection at this point. I am simply looking to make progress every single day. A small step towards progress is exactly what I'm looking for. And I will not be putting undue burdens on myself by feeling like I need to meet expectations every single week or every single month that are that I am unable to meet ultimately making me feel like I am failing in some of the goals that I have so progress is key for me I will slowly be building small steps that equate to really big positive impact in my life that will so by the end of the year I will have something to show for myself when it comes to progress that I can then potentially utilize for some awesome content, both on the blog, goldenhourwithkylie.com, and here on the podcast that Kylie says. I also have the word maintenance top of mind, and I know that maintenance feels a little bit, I don't know, like PG and E-ish in terms of let's maintain, let's make sure, oh, your cable box needs maintenance or, oh, the light post needs maintenance. But I actually think that maintenance is something that is incredibly important because it, the underlying tones of the term maintenance for me mean something that I am willing to maintain and something that I am willing to make sure is in proper working order. And that is why I am on this journey that I am on today. And one thing that I actually was realizing that I hadn't necessarily done yet in this episode was talk about GLP-1 receptor agonists and how that impacts your body. Because I had talked about the fact that I'm utilizing semaglutide as part of my new ongoing wellness plan. 
And I don't know that people are really aware of what it is. And again, I'm not a doctor, so this is all stuff that you can find online. But according to the FDA.com, because semaglutide is FDA approved, um, it semaglutide belongs to a class of medications known as glucagon like peptide one or GLP-1 receptor agonists. So it mimics the GLP-1 hormone that your body is automatically releasing in your gastrointestinal tract in response to eating. So one of the roles that GLP-1 has is to prompt the body to produce more insulin, which reduces blood glucose. So GLP-1 in higher amounts also interacts with the parts of the brain that can reduce appetite and signal a feeling of satiety. I don't know how to say that word. Or fullness. So that's just something to keep in mind. I need to probably do a little bit more research on semaglutide. Um, I'm actually looking it up right now. And insulin resistance. Because... Oh, well, wonderful. It says that semaglutide might be able to treat conditions stemming from insulin resistance, such as PCOS and metabolic syndrome. And this is from verywellhealth.com. And apparently there was a study that found a link between type 2 diabetes and all forms of dementia, and semaglutide could work as a preventative drug for Alzheimer's, these experts say. So that's freaking incredible. Um, I'm going to drop these two links in the show notes here so that you can see where I'm getting some of this information from, from the FDA and from verywell.com so that you can look into these more um, further. I'm also going to drop a link into the show notes for Body Works, which is where I am getting my compound semaglutide from. And you can see the pricing. There are a number of different options available now across so many different online platforms where you can actually get approval for semaglutide. Now the compounded form is not necessarily known to be as effective as some of the other forms, but so that is something to keep in mind. I'm on week three now. I definitely feel like I'm seeing real results, but primarily those results. So a few of the things that I found after week three are my appetite has definitely been suppressed. There are times when I genuinely just feel like I am absolutely not hungry and, or I am hungry, but nothing sounds good. But there have been times where the thought of food actually like repulses me thinking about eating something in particular where I'm like, oh God, no, I could not eat that. I've also been pretty strict with my macro plan. So protein has consistently sounded really good for me and hydration has been absolutely key. So there are some days when I'm drinking over 108 ounces of water, which is a gallon, and I'm probably at like 128 ounces, I think is like the most that I've actually ended up drinking in one day. And I found that when I do classes like Pilates Reformer, or when I'm doing a, a lot of cardio, like going taking myself on a hike or going on a long walk or something of that nature, that I actually am finding that I am consistently more thirsty throughout the day. And I think it's important to make sure that we're actually getting the hydration that we need. I found that, and people with insulin resistance and or PCOS may actually find that they feel thirsty all the time, but then they're consistently going pee and going to the bathroom. And that may be a signal that your body is not actually uptaking. I don't know if that's the right term, but your body may not act actually be holding on to all of the minerals and nutrients that it should be getting if you are flushing them through your system so quickly. 
I have always had a bad bladder. And when I was pregnant, I was in and out of the bathroom so frequently, but I was consistently thirsty. And when I was younger, I was actually tested for diabetes for that reason, because I was so consistently thirsty all the time. I was going to the bathroom so frequently, but it was never like a lot. It was always just, I felt like I had that urge to go to the bathroom. So I just wanted to give a little bit more insight into the actual scientifics behind what GLP-1 receptors do because I've been working really hard to educate myself on A, like what am I actually putting into my body? How does this work with my insulin resistance that I now know I have? And I'm in the process of going and doing a few other tests. Like I mentioned my um, sleep apnea test and then I'm going to make an appointment with an endocrinologist I'm also going to try to do some testing for PCOS to see if that's something that I might also have. And if so, I need to make sure that I have the proper plan in place from a nutrition perspective, from a fitness perspective, and then also just in general from a wellness perspective. So how am I actually structuring my days? How much sleep am I getting? Which by the way is not enough. We go to bed way too late. Our children go to bed super late. So then we undoubtedly end up going to bed one or two hours after that because we want some time to ourselves and we want to feel like we can actually do something like watch a TV show or read a book or journal or exercise or do any of those things that we might not have been able to do up until like 9.30 once we finally get them completely settled. So if any of this or what I'm experiencing sounds similar to you, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I know that it can feel so isolating to feel like you're doing all of the right things and then you are not able to actually lose any weight. So if you are experiencing things like some skin tags, if you're experiencing excess weight around your stomach area, if you're experiencing an inability to lose weight, but you are exercising and you are maintaining a relatively healthy diet and you're having, you're feeling like you are always tired and you're lethargic and you have a very limited sense of energy, you may have what I have, which is insulin resistance. And that may be something that you can ideally reverse through proper diet, exercise, and working with the right healthcare team. I 100% believe that you should validate for yourself and your own health. And this has taken me years to get to this diagnosis. And I am so happy that I have finally gotten to this point because now I have answers and I can start making some actual effective programming into my day that will help me alleviate these symptoms, hopefully for the long term prior to any sort of pre-diabetes um, or anything worse that might be afflicting me as I move forward in my life. So please don't hesitate to reach out and take a look at all of the resources that I've dropped into the show notes. Thanks so much for joining. See you soon. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode today. If you loved this episode or if you would like to see a certain guest or brand on, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. If you want a free human design reading, go ahead and rate and or subscribe to this podcast and send me a screenshot on Instagram at Kylie Mojadidi and I'll go ahead and get you scheduled for a free human design reading. Talk to you soon.